0: Are you an author who's tired of the long waits and low royalties? Exact Rush is here to change the game. We specialize in publishing with precision. And we get your book to market in just three to six months. Not years. But we're not just about books. We also support your photography, web design, and content creation needs. Our focus ranges from spirituality to pop culture. And we're excited about our diverse lineup of upcoming releases. So, if you're ready to keep more of your hard-earned money and get published faster, ExactRush is your ticket. Visit ExactRush.com and turn your creative dream into a profitable reality today. Tap into your most original thinking, organize your ideas, and create the opportunities to launch your creative work. Unlocking your world of creativity with best-selling author and brand innovator, Mark Stinson.
1: Welcome back, friends, to our podcast, Unlocking Your World of Creativity. And we love to travel around the world talking to creative practitioners about, yes, how they get inspired and organize ideas, but ultimately how we gain the confidence and the connections to launch our work out into the world. And today, our, our theme is empathy and storytelling and creativity. And I'm so glad to have as my guest, New York Times bestselling author, Jillian Lauren. Jillian, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much for having me. It's good to see your smile. Thanks. And Jillian has such a diverse, creative background. And her latest book we're going to be talking about, Behold the Monster. It's an account of confronting serial killer Samuel Little, and then her determination to lift up the voices of the victims of these uh, crimes. But along the way, we'll talk about Jillian's journey and her storytelling relating to these stories, but also all her work in different creative media. Jillian, as I look down the list of all the creative experiences you have and are working on currently, memoirs, true crime, film scripts, TV pilots, even chasing news stories as a newspaper contributor. What do you see as some threads for you anyway, as you approach the creative process? What right. Are there any commonalities <clears throat> in all of these media?
2: I flow very freely and always have between different mediums and, and the process of creative expression for me has a core to it of seeking of of the journey the hero's journey per se or the buddy story or whatever archetypally you are pursuing I just totally I'll tell you that you actually the reason that I am and have been a little scattered this morning in our conversation is that you've caught me at this incredibly creative, moment, which is you caught me at the funnest part when you said it's good to see your smile. You could have talked to me anytime in the last four years. You may have gotten one Mm -hmm. in an hour. It's been a time of, of a different sort of gravity. In my life, because as serious as the work that I've done in the past, I I felt a, a sort of grave responsibility around this last work, Behold the Monster. The creative process is one of, Jonathan Ames once told me, writers hang out. Some writer told him that. I can't remember what writer told him that. I don't know. In my mind it was Joyce Carol Oates at Princeton or something when he was driving <laughs> a cab, but I don't actually think it was. I think I made that up. Because writers also make things yes. up. But writers hang out and that always that always struck me when I when I found myself saying for the first time In the last couple of years, I I hit material that was so hard for me to actually really delve into it on the level that I do, that I had always said, there's no such thing as writer's block, I don't believe in it. And I'm like, I'm the great Santini. When it comes to discipline, or when it comes to teaching memoir, I did wonderful workshops with women who have become great friends of mine before COVID. And then, of mm-hmm. course, the whole landscape changed. But I, I just, I, I'm a hard ass about it. I say, I can tell you how to write a novel right now. You don't even have to pay me. <laughs> I'm not even going to write a book about it. I'm just going to tell you how to write a novel. And it's, if you can give it an hour and a half a day, if you can sit down for an hour and a half a day, you can write a book in about a year and a half. Mm -hmm. Now I can't tell you it's going to be a good book, but you'll have a book. People hate that answer. (laughs) They hate that answer. They hate it because they want art to be like this mysterious thing that comes to them. I cannot tell you how many parties I have sat at at gymboree and kindergarten events and like waiting online for Santa. And we're Jewish, I should say, but still waiting online for Santa. And in any case, and have people making chit chat and saying. You write, you wrote a book. Oh, my sister in law wrote a book. She self published about her <laughs> diet or whatever. And I was like, my first memoir is about I was a teenage mistress of the prince of Brunei. And my second book is a, a memoir about addiction. My third book is about adopting my son from Ethiopia. And my fourth book is about my relationship with a serial killer. So, <laughs> How about you? Yes, what do you yes. do? What else do you have? <laughs> <laughs> it's like quite an icebreaker. It really it, it separates the wheat from the chaff pretty fast, though. Yeah.
1: Pretty. Talk about this process then, because yeah. and certainly we've said empathy is an ingredient, but you say I'm going to take on this story, you know, of a serial killer, and the, the story hasn't really fully been told, and I'm going to tell it. Where do you? Like no, I
2: don't. I'm. I'm not. Uh, I, I think that there's a lot of a, an impulse to portray me as like I was on a crusade, or right. something to give these women back their names, and the fact is that it was far more shallow and opportunistic than that, and and also based in 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 curiosity. Mm-hmm. There was a deep curiosity in me, and I thought. I was at an interview with this famous detective that was a hard to score interview about a totally different case. And she happened to tell me about this underreported serial killer that she suspected had killed many more women across the country. And I decided I was going to go in and try and get this guy to talk. Now, empathy to me is something that as I first considered talking to Samuel Little, who proclaimed his innocence, as far as I knew, was in prison for life for three murders, but could have committed as many as who knows, because he cherry-picked his victims for 30 years by the fact that people wouldn't care about them, wouldn't report them missing. They were marginalized, often sex workers, drug addicts, women of color, and in any case. So I was like, okay, I have a sort of a mission and some meaning. I have a sense of opportunism. Here's an underreported story. Maybe I can bring some heat to it. And what I followed first was my curiosity. And that's never really, I've gone like just so far with my curiosity until I can tell it's the wrong road. When you're like hiking and you're like, oh, shit, I went down the wrong path. I got this
1: feeling. Path.
2: Yeah. I got, I, like, I see that this path is not turning into a path here. I'm going to turn around and try it the other way. And I bet I'm going to get to the waterfall. Like it, it, I've had some experiences like that mm-hmm. for sure. But mostly if it really piques my curiosity to the point where, like my husband said, or and like you just said nice i see you smile that doesn't happen all the time so when i come out enthused and i'm like hey have you heard about this and this not necessarily like you want to hear that all night long
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Uh...
2: especially if true crime is not your thing but he tries to be a little bit like sure talk In any case, yeah, he wants to see me passionate, see me involved. And I haven't found anything that has involved me in that way that I haven't been able to somehow capture the reader and reach beyond just a personal experience into a, a universal obser- observation.
1: Yes, and the creativity and stimulation, and I guess back and forth, and you mentioned your husband, you are a rock and roll wife. So there's creativity literally pounding in the walls, I presume.
2: We are show people, as yeah. I like to say. And when I think of that in every sense, when you say being very cross medium, um, it, it's all the same to me. The process, it's not the exact same the the rituals will be different the actions will be different the clothing will be different for me to step on a stage than it will be for me to sit in front of my computer and wrestle with my devils for
1: right
2: and the wall for 5 6 hours But I definitely have a partner I can bounce things off of who also has struggled. And there's a whole lot of loud instruments and great big boxing bag to kick around here. (laughs) If you want to play and scream. But uh, yeah.
1: That's good. And then there's the business side, Jillian. I think about pitching the story, selling the story, getting now get it published get get some interviews, market the book, go to some signings. How do you balance the pure creativity, what I would call, versus maybe the business side of the creativity?
2: One day at a time. But it comes in cycles. There are natural cycles. I'm usually working on more than one project at a time. So the problems can come when those cycles overlap when the dead the deadlines start to overlap and you don't have like you're not in that empty embryonic time of an article where you're running around and grabbing interviews and having ideas and figuring out what you're writing about and then putting a exclamation point on something else and handing it in when the things converge I think those that's when a grown ass woman starts to have to pull all nighters and is like trying to stay awake taking my kids to school and it's not it's not ideal. It the I the work life balance is not ideal in those moments. <laughs> But I also think that, like I was saying before, how many kindergarten parties have I been to where everyone thinks that they they've done all the work because they've thought through the story in their head. Mm-hmm. They're like, I've done the hard part, right? I have figured it all out. All I have to do is sit and write it down. Yes,
1: all, all I have to do. All I airports. have to do is
2: sit and write it down. <laughs> as if typing is writing. As if I was like, oh, okay. Let me know how that goes when that is so easy. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I keep thinking that there's this idea that we have that things are supposed to get easier. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you know who Phil Stutz is. He wrote uh, a book with Barry Michaels called the tools, Mm -hmm. which um, is a, a very trendy kind of psychotherapeutic book, but focuses on the creative process. And they have this, so, uh, I, I, I'm going to bungle it, it's not, I'm going to bungle it, but, and I can't even remember what it's called, it's called The Reversal of Desire, but what you do is you imagine that all the pain and all the resistance and everything, when you sit down and write and try to write that book that's been in your head all this time, that day that it's so easy, that day you've been waiting for, that it's perfect. You have like your coffee and like the sweater you always pictured from anthropology. And you have your little, I'm here with my microphone that doesn't work. I'm a professional. <laughs> and and you sit down. And it's like quiet probably it's early in the morning or late at night and no one's vomiting and no one needs you and no one's calling and there's nothing nagging at the back of your brain you have to work in the now in life and
1: yeah the birds aren't always chirping out on the patio while you're drinking the coffee and writing (laughs) your memoir.
2: Yeah, like I said, I can tell you how to write a book. <laughs> Sit down every day and write. Mm-hmm. Write for an hour and a half. Start writing 10 minutes. It's a muscle. It's not, by the way, your brain's not a muscle, people. It's not an actual muscle. <laughs> but that's a metaphor. You're carving what you're doing is carving neural pathways. Yes. So you're creating good habits. You're doing all that fun stuff. No one, is an artist because they wanna be really disciplined and create good habits. That's not where that impulse
1: (laughs) That would pretty much be the opposite. (laughs) Creatives (laughs) and good habits. Yeah. Creatives
2: and really good at like attention spans. And 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 I just think that's that's our war. I don't know if you if you like the artist. Marina Abramovic, at all, what she puts her proteges through, which puts herself through. She does like endurance performance art. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and she's art is war. And, um, and resistance is war. And, you know, some days I lose the battle, but I, I would be, it would be below my intelligence. To look at my history, to look at the many years I've sat here when it didn't work, I've sat here when it did work. I've had successful books. I've had less successful books. I've had yeses I couldn't believe, screaming in the middle of the street yeses. And I have had noes that were like staring at the ceiling fan for three solid days. I couldn't believe it. Mm -hmm. My first proposal after my first bestseller didn't sell at all. And I- was like, wait a second, what? But I'm famous. You know, and and then eventually get bored. <laughs> you get bored on the floor. And <laughs>
1: you say, let's do it again. Get up and keep writing.
2: Uh, yeah. There's no question in my mind that I will do that for the rest of my life. I'm also studying forensics and uh, criminology and law right now. And I I love how these things intertwine. Mm. Um, I I don't think that we have to necessarily, I was just talking to Renee Denfeld about this privately before we did a book event. And she's an, an incredible author if you've never checked out her work, but fiction, crime fiction. She is a P.I., In the real world, who works primarily with death penalty cases, looking for mitigating evidence for capital sentencing. She was like, fascinating. And and she and I were talking and she says, if you're going to be an artist, have a day job. And I was like, wait, what? No. (laughs) The goal is to never have a day job. The goal is to like constantly hustle, article after. And I'm like, is it? Though, I'm not sure. So I'm following my curiosity right now. And the true crime world has taken me somewhere that through following my curiosity, where some of the Darkest depths I've ever seen Mm -hmm. in my life, both in my heart and also in front of my eyeballs. And and also led me to a sense of meaning, which is what I believe keeps us going. Through the fact that I don't know, creativity sucks. Sucks. It's the (laughs) the worst.
1: (laughs) But what you're saying is following. My oldest, my
2: oldest wants to be a pilot. I'm like,
0: thank (laughs) you.
2: He's, oh my gosh, mom, you do not understand the theory of relativity. I was like, thank you, Lord. <laughs> Somebody
1: in this house does.
2: Mom. <laughs> or my mom. I have a science son. Oh, that's hilarious. Uh, kind of that's awesome. But yeah, I know. He wants to go to Annapolis. He's working very hard. Uh, I know. That is why. That's the greatest parenting advice I can give for creatives and anyone else, is I have the worst mouth. I really have it. And artistically, I've exposed my kids to, if they're ready, well, kind of whatever, they just have to talk me into it. My kid was not thinking thing really wanted to see The Exorcist. I'm like, he's almost 16. I'm still like, you know what? I saw Jaws too early and I still can't.
1: You're messed up.
2: Like I'm still <laughs> bad. I'm still not good in the deep end. You know?
1: <laughs> That's right. There, there's that fine I'm line really of time. I'm really not timing. doing
2: anything that you can't see the bottom. <laughs> that yeah. movie messed me up for the rest of my life. No, but I'm seriously like thinking of The Exorcist and thinking of the sexual con and and so I'm like it's not the bad words. Do you want me to tell you what the words are? Like here are the words, mm-hmm. but what concerns me is you watching a girl younger than you like harm herself mm-hmm. and, and act in sexual ways that were, that shocked the world at the time and put it into perspective of feminism for him. And he was like, eh, put it, here you go. There's a good, and there's another good parenting tip. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so many good tips let me give you a parent let me give you a feminism lecture about the is never mind but yeah swear just swear up and down all day long go talk to serial killers go and have sex with princes when you're 18 and be sex trafficked and don't do that actually really don't do that don't do that but I will say that both my kids are straight
1: as straight arrows. Straight as arrows. I love that.
2: Hey, my little one swears like sometimes, but it's just to mess with me, mm-hmm. just so he can go. You said that when blah 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 blah. But yeah, my older yeah. one like language, from like halfway across the house.
1: Well, these breadcrumbs of curiosity, though, must also, from a creative standpoint, we've been talking about selling the story and so forth. But it's, hey, what if this were a movie? What if this were a film? What if this were an episodic TV show? Do those kind of ideas help you with the platform? We wrote the book, but Uh I wonder what else it could be.
2: They're two such different mediums. Like I write screen plays and teleplays, and I've written both adaptations of my own work, and I've written originals that have been in different stages of development. Nothing, no, nothing that you've seen, but hopefully something you'll see soon. And particularly this book has is seemed to be fast-tracked. And it's very different, but each has really helped the other and has informed the other, which is something that I'll tell my students also, go learn another language, go learn to play the ukulele. I'm telling you from for 10 minutes a day, not for the hour and a half a day that you are writing, which is what you actually want to do, right? Mm-hmm. With your life, you could probably carve out that much time. Do something else, creative. Because what it's going to do, is going to light up other, if you can tell I'm really into neuroscience, the neuroscience of creativity, it's going to light up other parts of your brain. All of a sudden you're going to find that you're having ideas Yes. and keeping your notebook next to you writing things down.
1: For people who are listening on uh, audio podcast, but is that a anatomical diagram of the brain on a poster yep. size, hanging on your wall behind you.
2: <laughs> yeah. The brain
1: is everything, like you said. Not a muscle, maybe, but
2: the yes. metaphor is for us. <laughs> I have to clarify that for people because I don't want to reinforce stereotypes about right. L.A.
1: But, but it, it does need to be trained. They kind of the actually think everything is an
2: actual muscle.
1: <laughs> you are so fun. I want to come full circle, Jillian, like you said, we've been talking about various Uh uh, serious books, but I do want to ask, what is making you smile? You mentioned that this was a recent present phenomenon for you, but as a creative, Mm -hmm. I wonder what's bringing you some light and joy?
2: Well, uh I think I'm done with the the book release, the very first part of the tour. Uh the book's doing very well, so that anxiety has been lifted. Um uh my husband has been gone. He's a like you said a rock musician. He plays bass for Weezer. we has gone on tour. Yeah, I'm going
1: after this, I'm going to go get my Weezer uh, CDs out and Thanks listen to you. Them
2: we would love to hear that. And uh, he's been gone for months. He's back. So that's great. And I love the fall. It just seems to be a a good creative time for me, even though it's 100 degrees here in Los Angeles. But, and I'm looking toward the next steps and the next thing now, as much as I'm still working on the little little cases, I'm still talking about the story. I have a paperback coming out in April. I also have a, there was an entire documentary made about me, not by me, by Joe Berlinger, who uh, recently did Epstein, Madoff, Dahmer. Bundy, Netflix, and you can actually stream mine elsewhere, not Netflix, but it's called Confronting a Serial Killer. So that was being made about me while I was working on the book. Because I did a fair bunch of detective work that was unusual for a journalist and had and went all over the country and had very productive relationships with a lot of law enforcement. Mm-hmm. And there's a podcast with me and Michael Connelly, because I posted detectives, <laughs> the detective who was based on or who the character Harry Bosch was based on, is a man named Rick Jackson. He's a retired LAPD detective. And Renee Ballard, who is Connolly's newest character, is uh, based on Detective Mitzi Roberts. And both of them feature heavily in the book. Michael was also a mentor to me throughout the process.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of good stuff there. What a great conversation, Jillian. I'm sorry that we have to wrap it up now. Because I think we could just keep this uh, coffee clatch going for the rest of the afternoon. But <laughs> it's been such a pleasure talking with you and getting to know you. Sometimes these interviews, as listeners will know, are, here's my seven questions and I've just gone down the list. This has been a roller coaster ride of uh, fun and intrigue and also creative inspiration. So I really appreciate it.
2: Thank you so much.
1: Yes. And all the best and also with So st- please
2: check out my website, jillianlauren.com. I am Jillian Lauren author at TikTok, which is a new channel I have focused on missing persons. Please check it out. And my Instagram at Jillian Lauren.
1: Fantastic. We're going to have all those uh, channels in the show notes and links for people and, and the other creative resources you shared with us earlier. I'll put those links in there too. So my guest has been Jillian Lauren. Her latest book is called Behold the Monster, but she has uh, lots of other, like some girls, My Life in a Harem, we've talked about that a little bit today, and lots of other work coming and a great podcast with uh, Michael Connolly. Come back again next time, everyone. We're gonna continue these creative conversations with practitioners everywhere. We've stopped off in LA today, but we've got uh, creative journeys around the world to talk to more practitioners about how we get inspired with ideas and organize them. But ultimately, we've gotta gain the confidence and the connections to launch our work out into the world. And that's what we're all about. So join us again next time. I'm Mark Stinson, and we'll continue to unlock your world of creativity.
0: Unlocking your world of creativity with best-selling author and brand innovator, Mark Stinson. This program was produced by BSB Media, creators of IntelliKey Leadership Stories, Unlocking Your World of Creativity, and The ThePeaceroom.love. We've created a special offer just for listeners of the podcast. You can get the book, A World of Creativity, for a special price of five ninety-eight dollars for paperback. And the Kindle version is only 99 cents. Go to mark-stinson.com to take advantage of this special offer.